Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Orange Brown Talk podcast. We are reacting to Deshaun Watson's 11-game suspension issued on Thursday by the NFL. It's Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and me. We go through the news, we react to it, we, re- we react to what Deshaun Watson said, what the Haslam said today, and then we even get into a little bit of the football side in the second half of the podcast and how this suspension will affect the Browns 2022 season. Uh, Now football insider, I haven't been great about telling you guys about football insider. So I owe you here. You get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox. You get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns, and you can become one of our tech subscribers. All you got to do to become a football insider subscriber is go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page, get your info and get signed up all right here we go mary Kay cabot ashley bastock and i breaking down deshaun watson's 11 game suspension here we go on the orange brown talk podcast recapping uh, a day in berea where the browns finally found out what the suspension would be for deshaun watson uh 11 games Uh, He also is fined uh, $5 million. He has to uh, get an evaluation, um, counseling, all sorts of things, Mary Kay. Uh, Let's just start here. When when the official suspension came down and, you know, you had reported on Wednesday, uh, as we record this on Thursday night, you had reported on Wednesday that a settlement was close. Uh, It happens early Thursday. When it first came down and you saw the terms, what did you think? You know, it's about what I expected. I thought it would probably be 10 because I knew that Deshaun was willing to accept eight. I knew that the NFL didn't want to budge below 12. So I figured they would meet in the middle with 10, but they probably somehow messed around with the uh, the money aspect of it too and arrived at the 11 games and the 5 million. So maybe it would have been 10 if it had been more money. Um, so I think they probably, you know, finagled that a little bit and got it to where they wanted it. But, uh, you know, I, I actually think this is a pretty good result for everyone involved. Um, although when you think about it, the Browns now lose an accrued season for Deshaun Watson. So that's a factor. Six games is an accrued season, which means that they will have him only for four more years after this, instead of the five that they would have had, had he been suspended for the year. But I still think the six games gives him the chance to come back and try to get this team to the playoffs. So from a football standpoint, from a football standpoint, obviously I think this is better for the Browns, but there are so many layers to this that go beyond football, of course. 
Yeah, Ashley, what what did you think of of the suspension, and did it feel? Um, I mean, this isn't quite the way I asked it to Mary Kay, but Mary Kay, maybe you can kind of weigh in too. Did it feel right? Did did it feel like after everything that was kind of being thrown around, did this feel right? Um, well, right is kind of like a relative term right, for right. me, I think. So <laughs> I I will say what I think it does, and Mary Kay, I think, was kind of touching on this that. It is a satisfactory conclusion for the people who are like directly involved in the decision making process regarding this. Like, I understand that for the victims and, you know, other victims, you know, out there in the world, how this might not be a satisfactory conclusion, right? But it's satisfactory for the NFL parties who are involved because it, you know, it was negotiated amongst the NFLPA side and the NFL side, it just brought an end to it. And I thought this whole thing had the potential to be a lot uglier, depending on how Peter C. Harvey ruled, you know, they don't have to go through that anymore because if it was a significantly longer suspension, the reality is like Mary Kay had been reporting, we were looking at this ending up in federal court and dragging on for a whole lot longer Mm -hmm. and getting a whole lot uglier. So in that way, I think it is right that they were able to agree to this settlement amongst themselves and not have it get to that level. Mary Kay, I feel like, you know, and we'll get into sort of what Deshaun Watson said and maintaining his innocence and all of that. But all all that being said, I feel like there's not a lot here for Deshaun Watson to complain about other than the fact that he probably feels he shouldn't have been suspended, which I guess is a big thing. But if there was going to be a suspension, if you knew that it was going to go to appeal and the NFL was essentially going to have the final say, I don't know what he could really complain about with this outcome because it's 11 games. He gets to play. He gets to be eligible for those six games, which as you mentioned is is important in all of this. That's enough time for him to come back and maybe get this team into the playoffs. We'll get a little bit into the the schedule game later. Um, and he gets to come back next year, full year. He's going to have that big salary waiting for him. Honestly, for as bad as this could have been for Deshaun Watson, I feel like him and his team, outside of maybe just complaining that there was a suspension at all, probably have to feel like they came out winners of sorts in this. Well, I think so, because getting him back on the field at all is, um, you know, is a victory for them, because there was a really good chance that Peter C. Harvey was going to return what the NFL wanted, which was the minimum year-long ban. Banishment from the NFL, and you have to apply for reinstatement. And that means that you've got to be on your best behavior, that you have to fulfill all kinds of requirements, and you have to be at the mercy of Roger Goodell to let you back into the league. You're gone. You're out of the NFL. So given that that's what he was potentially facing, uh, this is a victory of sorts for them, as you mentioned. I think the other very key piece here is that the NFL really wanted uh, not only the the fine because they didn't they were not happy with the fact that he wasn't going to have to pay a lot of money based on his base salary of one point oh three five million dollars. But what they got was the key component, I think, for them, and that was evaluation and treatment. They that was not part of Sue L. Robinson's initial suspension of six games and discipline. That was not part of it at all. He was not going to be forced to go to treatment. Now he has to. He has to comply with that. And he can't mess up. He cannot mess up with that because if he does, 
it could impact his reinstatement. So he can't, you know, if, if he misses something, he's, it's like missing a drug test. I mean, like you really have to have a really good reason uh, for not fulfilling all the terms of your treatment. And they're not going to make it easy on him. I mean, he's probably going to have to go to, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine he might have to go to some, some group things or, or you know, I, I don't know, but it's, it's going to be pretty intense. And, um, I, you know, he might even have to, again, I don't know this yet, but when you're talking about treatment, once they do the evaluation, they might, they could send him away to inpatient treatment. I mean, you never know. Like that could be part of it. So, you know, he's got to do all of these things, even though he feels he is innocent of these accusations. And therefore, that's why I asked him, like, what do you have to gain from treatment if you don't think you've done anything wrong? And um, and, you know, and he said, you know, I can still get something out of it, but he's going to have to put a lot into it, too. Yeah, Ashley, I mean, same question. Like, does this. I mean, if you're in Deshaun Watson's camp, are you kind of looking at this and saying kind of what the worst case scenario could have been, you know, this this worked out okay? I would be. Um, I don't know that his camp is actually saying that <laughs> based on some tweets and stuff we've seen from his agent and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, this could have been so much worse, which is what I kind of tried to outline in my first answer to your first question, Dan, like it could have gone, you could have been suspended a year. And even if it went to federal court, we know that those cases historically have gone in the NFL's favor because what are they looking at? They're looking at how the CBA was used and if the discipline follows the CBA process. So the NFL has like pretty ironclad, like, you know, uh, proof there that things were followed, that they did things by this collectively bargained, uh, you know, disciplinary proceedings. So I just think it could have been a lot worse if I, looking at this as an outsider, um, I think 100% that you'd be content with this because you get to come back and play football this year, which was not a given like two weeks ago. Okay, so let's continue down the the path of sort of what we heard today, and let's talk about what Deshaun Watson had to say. Uh, we've got stories that Mary Kay has written. Uh, I don't know how many stories you've written at this point, Mary Kay. <laughs> Probably at least three or four. Uh, and one of <laughs> and one of them is uh, Deshaun Watson is maintaining his innocence. He's standing uh, by his innocence. Um, so look, there's nothing new there. He's been saying that since since he showed up in March, but it's significant. Because back in March, we didn't have Sue Robinson and, uh, you know, a multi-page ruling basically laying out that she believed what the NFL presented, the evidence the NFL presented, um, that it merited what in her mind was a harsh suspension. I I think she made that clear that six games was about as harsh a suspension as as she could uh, muster with precedent. She called it egregious. She threw out the word predatory. Um, But Deshaun Watson, again, maintained his innocence. Uh, you know, I I know I asked him about Sue Robinson's ruling. Uh, someone else did, too. And he kind of fell back on the line that this wasn't how he was raised. People will get to know his his character and all of that. So when it comes to the counseling, when it comes to what he has to go through um, as prescribed by the NFL, how do you square? And, and you touched on this a little. How do you square what Deshaun said today and the tone he took today with the fact that he does need to go through counseling and and everything else. Well, it's it's very clear and obvious that Deshaun Watson, in standing by 
his innocence, which he must have said about five different times in his press conference, um, it's very clear that he still doesn't really see that he did anything wrong. And yet you've got 30 accusers uh, that are saying something different than that. And I think even the Haslam's are acknowledging that he needs help for something that went on in those rooms. He doesn't seem to feel that way. His agent, David Mulugeta, doesn't seem to feel that way. The people in Deshaun Watson's camp believe him that he's innocent and that he's done nothing wrong. And I think the NFL and now the Haslam's and Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are all saying he's going to work on this. He's going to get the counseling. He's going to get the help that he needs. I think they believe that he does need to fix something. I think he probably needs to get to the point where he understands and realizes that his actual behavior is going to have to change because there was some kind of a disconnect between what he thought was right in those rooms and what the massage therapist felt was appropriate and right in those rooms. And so I, as Dee Haslam said today, and I give her credit because when I asked her, do you believe he's innocent? She said, you know, I'm going to let him speak for himself on that. But I think with counseling, he's going to arrive at a place where he's going to see that he needs to make some changes in his behavior. Yeah. And that was a very different answer than what Andrew Barry gave back in March, right? <laughs> when he was asked the same question, he kind of fell back on what Deshaun fell back on. I, I did think that that was very, I thought their tone, and, and we'll get into them a little bit uh, here shortly. I, th- I thought their, in that instance, their tone was was very interesting and in, in what they talked about. Ashley, I think that's sort of um, not not a, a red flag, but it's something to keep an eye on is, you know, the Haslam sort of saying Deshaun needs to get to this point, but also on Deshaun's side, he thinks he didn't do anything wrong. He's got people in his camp that seem to agree. And he's also got $230 million and is going to be basically riding in to be the savior of the franchise very shortly. It's going to be sort of a push and pull, I think a little bit. It is. I mean, I basically wrote my reaction story on this today Because it's so interesting to me, like the last week or so, what we've seen from Deshaun Watson, because he went on the pregame broadcast and on Friday before their game against Jacksonville and did apologize to women. Like it was the most kind of forceful apology. I will say that we've heard from him. It it was a long way from March when he was like, I have nothing to be sorry for. Right. Um, And then in the initial statement that the Browns released, Um, I also thought that was interesting because he said in there, I apologize once again for any pain this situation has caused. I take accountability for the decisions I made. But then he comes up to the podium shortly after we get that statement. And there wasn't really accountability taken. He was kind of insistent that he didn't do anything wrong. I won't say it was defiant. Like I would say maybe the first press conference in March was defiant. This didn't have that same kind of feeling to me. But my whole point was the counseling stuff is is so interesting to me, right? I think that's super important with all of this. And in my story, like Mary Kay said, you know, I give D Haslam credit for kind of acknowledging that counseling is not like a quick fix, that this is something that takes time. And that's so true. I mean, anybody who's gone to counseling or therapy, like, you know, that it's nothing is instantaneous when you go there, if you're trying to make meaningful changes in your life or with your mental health or your behavior. 
But at the same time, it's like, how meaningful can that work actually be when you have a person who is insisting that they do not have a problem, that they did not do anything wrong? And we've talked about before, you know, only Deshaun Watson and these women like truly know what happened in these rooms. We have the accounts of that. But I do think Deshaun Watson kind of has to get to that point. I, I think this is a guy who very much valued his off the field reputation before all this stuff happened. And he was so well known throughout the league for, you know, his humanitarian work and his charitable work. It was something that Sue L. Robinson even mentioned in her initial decision. I think he misses being that Deshaun Watson. And I don't know if he'll ever get to be that Deshaun Watson again. But if he wants to have a chance to like be looked at in that same light, the first step, I think, is showing true remorse, which I thought maybe he was on a path to getting there after Friday. And now I'm like, I don't know if we're ever going to get that definitive, I'm sorry to these victims. We might just get that general, I'm sorry to any women this affects, which is basically what he said today. But I think the real work for him kind of begins now in terms of the off the field stuff, because he can be as good as he is on the field. But until this problem is addressed, I mean, it's it's definitely something that's going to hang over him and it's going to hang over this team until he takes meaningful steps in that direction. Yeah, Mary Kay, I think the tone was interesting before the settlement and after the settlement, right? We did have the the interview before the preseason game and, uh, you know, respecting Sue Robinson's decision. And there wasn't a lot of pushback uh, as far as what she she had in her decision. And then the settlement comes out and everything's kind of done. And there was a little bit less of that, I guess. There was a little bit less of the remorse that that we saw in that interview and there was a little bit less of you know we respect the process we respect the decision we i mean the haslam's basically said they didn't even want to talk about what was in sue robinson's report today um and and they for the most part avoided getting into any of that deshaun watson kind of brushed that stuff aside i i did i guess it it wasn't so like night and day that it was like well i don't know about this but i, I do think it is a little disconcerting that that there was sort of a small change in tone i think from everyone today well there was a major paradigm shift dan and i agree with you on that pre-game jacksonville i think we were all led to believe that he was apologizing to his accusers and that had he had come to a point of realizing some wrongdoing i fe- i i kind of thought that although i i talked Uh, I was talking to um, another colleague on the phone yesterday and I said, you know, that apology was quite nebulous. We don't really know what he meant. We all assumed that he had taken a step up, you know, a, a different tone and that he was apologizing to the women that he had impacted and that this was a different sort of apology than the trigger one we heard in May, right? He had apologized for who he triggered. This one seemed like he was actually apologizing to his accusers for wrongdoing in appointments, even though he didn't specifically say those words. It had more of that vibe to it, right? Today, it just shifted right back to March introductory press conference. I've never assaulted. I've never done anything wrong. I've never uh, forced and I, you know, and I maintain my innocence. It went right back to that. And I don't know if that's going to fly with, um, you know, with the NFL. The, he is still 
somewhat at the mercy of the NFL when it comes to getting back on the field. Okay. When you put the treatment piece in there, you know, that, that gives it, there's, that gives it a little bit of wiggle room. Like you have to do certain things if you're going to be fully reinstated. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's really vitally important that we did hear something a little bit different today than we thought we were going to hear. And, you know, again, the, the agent tweet that got deleted is a part of it, <laughs> you know, got, when when he mentioned that um, Sue Robinson was basically putting out the NFL's narrative. I mean, I'm sure that the NFL doesn't love that either when, when that stuff is coming out. And um, I mean, all of that just it looks bad, sort of. It's like, oh, we got our settlement. All right. Now we can just sort of go back to. Mm-hmm to uh to where we were um anything else on the haslams that that you guys want to touch on i i thought there was you know i i I guess i thought there was a little bit of you know not to turn this into an analysis of a press conference i thought there could have been more empathy for some of the fans who are just not cool with this decision yeah fans who have said they're done um, you know, Jimmy did this in March and I think he did it again today. He almost took victory laps about the crowds at training camp and mm-hmm. ticket sales and corporate partnerships. And, um, D said something that I thought was sort of strange, kind of, a, you know, in listening back where she kind of said, you know, if people aren't happy with this move, maybe they can turn that into doing something good in this arena of uh helping sexual assault survivors i'm I'm paraphrasing obviously but i I thought that was a little iffy um mary Kay, what did you think of of sort of how the haslam's handled things today you know i i actually i actually didn't think it was as bad as maybe some other people thought i think this is a difficult uh topic to handle all the way around and i do think that they had certain things that they wanted to get across. And I thought that they at least made an attempt to do that about the fact that they do care about uh, the fans. They know they have to get the fans back. Um, That I thought that D handled the answers to uh, about the counseling really, really well. I thought the fact that, um, you know, when I asked her, is he, uh, do you believe he's innocent? I mean, she really, you know, hammered away at the fact that, you know, with time, the counseling should help. So I thought that was good. Um, I thought they were very, she was very, very careful uh, to come out and talk about the, anybody who has been triggered by this, anybody who has been impacted by this and how uh, she hopes that the money that they have contributed, the $1 million that they have contributed as a football team, uh, coupled with Deshaun's five and the NFL's one, uh, you know, that this will go towards education and to trying to be part of the solution. So I actually, you know, I actually didn't think that part of it was, was that bad. I know they're getting, uh, I know they're getting a lot of criticism for, for how they handled it, but I thought, they at least tried to hit the points that they needed to uh, in, in that short time frame. And, you know, at least Ashley, they were up there talking and they, they didn't sort of leave Andrew out to dry 
um they were they were up there with them it's a little a little awkward yeah the way they yeah. had things set up it but was um you know they were up there and there is part of a you know damned if you do damned if you don't thing i saw yeah. somebody say it almost would have been better if they hadn't talked well yeah it got lambasted for that too so yeah you know yeah. there's that part of it as well yeah you know like we were kind of talking about that right like this stuff is so hard to talk about like it's kind of obviously as reporters we've been wanting to hear from them about this situation because they haven't talked since the initial trade happened um but i just think that it's just so hard to talk about that in a lot of ways it's like okay is this going to do more damage than good but they did need to talk today so i'm glad we did get to hear from them and kind of like what mary Kay said i think even though i i think they're getting some deserved criticism for the way they handled some of this the d answers specifically on the counseling I think that's going to get buried and it's kind of unfortunate because I thought she gave some pretty like nuanced answers to that. But I think like I, what I've seen, the biggest issue with this and, and the biggest issue that people on like Twitter, especially were making was just kind of the tone of it. And like you said, Dan, almost like maybe at times a lack of empathy for people who don't, you know, want to cheer for this team anymore, or who have been affected by this. And you know the money, the monetary donation is is great, but I think because of the tone of the way certain things were said, that maybe that good stuff is gonna get lost and get buried. Because what do what do people do, especially on social media? You know, they remember the worst moments and the worst sound bites and everything like that. Um, but yeah, it was an eventful morning to say the least. I mean, this is a hard press conference to win. Okay, yeah. I mean, the, the topic is so difficult. And as you guys have both already mentioned, I mean, you're going to get hammered by 50% of the population, no matter what you say. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I do think, I mean, the number one thing in my mind is that they didn't stand up there and vouch for his innocence. Yeah. That would have been hurtful to too many fans and to the 30 accusers. And they could not have done that. And they didn't do that. And I think that was the most important thing that they did in the press conference was acknowledge uh, that he is a work in progress, that he is going to get help. And like Jimmy Haslam pointed out, and I actually thought this was really good. Look, we gave Kareem Hunt a second chance. Now, Kareem Hunt, I mean, we saw on video what he did. So, I mean, if Jimmy's making that kind of comparison, I mean, I think they're, they're acknowledging that Deshaun Watson hasn't been perfect and has committed wrongdoing in this case. And I think they all, all three of them that stood up there together, acknowledged uh, that there there needs to be a fix, that he needs to get this stuff corrected and taken care of and examined and figured out. And I, so I, from that standpoint, I actually thought they did a good job with that. I, yeah. I would have been uh, very dismayed had they not acknowledged that sort of thing. So I don't know. I'm not as critical of it as as a lot of other people, I guess. That was the most, I mean, interesting tone shift to me because it's like they stood up there, right? And basically said, we think he has a problem that needs to be fixed and it's going to take some time to fix it. So this is going to require patience because it's not an easy fix going to counseling if you're going to make meaningful change. But that's not what Deshaun Watson got up there and said. So it just was like this really interesting dichotomy to kind of hear that from them after Deshaun had talked. 
And it's like, oh, you thought maybe Deshaun would head in that direction. Like we had maybe anticipated that, but the Haslam's were really the ones to do it. So that that was definitely interesting. Yeah, still the disconnect. There's yeah. still the disconnect between remorseful and not remorseful. They, and it felt like that in March too, right. if I'm remembering yeah. right, right? The disconnect is still there, but I think they understand and recognize there is a uh, a gap that needs to be narrowed in, in that regard. And and by the way, and, and I want to get into a, a few football questions here um, after, after we take a break, but you know, the other part of this that no one is allowed to stand up there and say, but I think we all know is the reality. They made this trade because Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson. Right. Like he is a great quarterback. He is right. Mary Kay, as you've said, he's got Hall of Fame talent. And this right. type of player doesn't become available. And the Browns and every other team that got in on this sweepstakes, they did it because they want to win and because he gives them a chance to win football games. And nobody's allowed to stand up at a podium and say that, obviously. But I almost feel like if somebody did, the reaction would be like, yeah. You're right. We all know this. Like it's it's kind of the the dirty secret that every single person who follows this sport knows. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's take a break, and then I have some just football questions about how this suspension affects the Browns, um, and we'll we'll run through those quickly after the break. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, so let's just start here, uh, Mary Kay. This is something that we've talked about on the AMK version of this podcast. This is a name that constantly comes up. It doesn't feel like this is going to happen, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Is Jimmy Garoppolo in play for this football team? You know, right now, no, he's not. Um, Because right now he's still under contract for $24 million. In the event that the 49ers cut him, and of course then he becomes available to, to everyone. But in the event that that happens... Um, and the Browns could get him on the dirt cheap, you know, that that's when I think that they would get interested. Uh, they do want to have two viable starters. They're going to be evaluating over these next couple of weeks if they think Josh Dobbs can step in. I mean, 11 games is a long time to try to stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Especially now when you've got your backup center uh, out there and you have um, your right tackle coming off of an injury. So, you know, it's that's a long time to try to stay healthy. So, I mean, chances are you might get to your backup at some point in 11 games. It certainly happens a lot. So um, so they're going to have to figure out if they feel super comfortable with the one-two punch that they have. And if they don't, and you've got a Jimmy Garoppolo floating around out there, and you can get him on the cheap, you know, then it, you start to get into the okay, maybe this makes sense from a financial standpoint and otherwise. Because remember, they have $10.5 million committed to Baker Mayfield right now. Um, And the rest of their QB money is really low. So they've got the money to commit to the room. I mean, Deshaun's making $1.035 million this year. And and Jacoby's making like four point six or something like that. I mean, that's nothing. That is absolutely nothing for the quarterback room. I mean, that, that doesn't even add up to one really good backup. So they have the money to do it. Now, let me just say really quickly, I would do it in a heartbeat. I think they should do it. I think they owe it to their fan base. I think they owe it to their team. 
I think they owe it to themselves to go out and do this and show that they're doing everything possible to try to win this season and that they're not kind of casting this season aside. I, I think they should do it when you have somebody out there like that. I, I just don't see what the downside is to acquiring him even, even now and just getting, getting the money right afterwards. Even if you brought him in as a backup initially, you know, because right. it, would, it would be late in the process, you know, you'd have to get him up to speed, but right. um, yeah, I mean, look, you're trying to win. Like this is a win. This is a win now year, even though Deshaun's going to be out 11 games. If they decided to go get Jimmy Garoppolo and give him a shot as the starter. And, and I'm going to ask this later, we don't know what Deshaun's going to look like in those final six games like we kind of assume it's going to be okay but right we don't we don't know for sure i mean ashley would you be open to jimmy garoppolo in cleveland yeah but it's kind of like what mary Kay said that it would have to be for the right price i think because you don't want to i don't think still spend a ton of capital on the guy because the reality is you're not going to need him after this year anyway so i don't think it's worth it to spend you know like the full amount of his contract or anything for 11 games of jimmy garoppolo but if you could get him on the cheap i still stand by the fact i think he's an upgrade from jacoby Brissett. i mean i know the browns keep saying they have trust and faith in jacoby but what else are they going to say? You know, Baker was their guy until he wasn't, if we remember back to January and February uh, of this year. So I think he's enough of an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett that they would have to start thinking about this. You'd be ridiculous to not think about it if he would be available on the cheap. I understood where they were coming from when they said, we don't think this guy is enough of an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, but the goalposts have changed. So why not consider it if financially it's feasible? Okay, time to play the schedule game here real quick. Uh, The first 11 games of the season leading up to uh, the game at Houston in week 13. Um, So I'm I'm actually, the newsletter that that I wrote for uh, Friday, and maybe when people are listening to this, they've seen it already, maybe not, uh, was kind of three key games that are going to make or break these first 11. But as I look at it, you know, we've talked about these first four. You could realistically go three and one. You know, maybe you go two and two. We'll see what, how Baker's feeling on uh, on that week one game. But uh, th- then you've got Los Angeles, the Patriots at Baltimore against Cincinnati at Miami at Buffalo and versus Tampa Bay. And we don't know quite what's going on with Tom Brady just just at, at this moment right now. But still, those are some tough games, Mary Kay, after those first four. I, what is a realistic expectation, do you think? for this team. I mean, the way I looked at it was, you know, I'm kind of just counting like Los Angeles as a loss and uh, probably Baltimore as a loss, maybe Cincinnati, you know, Buffalo, Tampa, if they're right, uh, anything can happen in this league. So I'm not ruling the Browns out of any of those games, but where do you think this team has to be to have a realistic shot after 11? You know what? That That's a gauntlet right there. After those first four games that you are in the, gauntlet my like, goodness like you Chargers. can't stumble you can't no. you cannot stumble in the first month you have no. to be like almost perfect and yeah. not only not only that I mean I'm telling you what if you have the Pittsburgh everyone everyone wants to say once again that the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, because their quarterback situation is not resolved yet and they don't know who their starter really is yet 
that you know that that's going to be a layup game and everybody just kind of thinks that's that they're going to win me. that game i mean not dan, has, <laughs> dan learned his lesson i tried i tried to talk you into that last year but um but i mean let's let's say for instance they have mitch trubisky and then and those receivers and that running game and their better offensive line and that defense against against jacoby Brissett and the cleveland browns that's not a layup victory for the browns are you kidding me I mean, yeah, the Browns' defense is going to be really, really good. But, you know, you you just cannot take anything for granted, of course, especially when you're playing against the Steelers. I mean, the rest of those games, you know, I, they should be able to win. But um, but then you get into that, that gauntlet of those seven games of Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, Miami, Buffalo, Tampa Bay. I mean, that that's not going to be easy at all. You're into your quarterbacks. I mean, you're into Lamar and Joe Burrow. And I mean, Tua will probably be better and Josh Allen and, and Tom Brady and Justin Herbert. I mean, come on. Right. So, I mean, even just looking at this schedule makes me think you should have the best two quarterbacks on your roster that you can possibly find. And maybe they have something else up their sleeve. Maybe they do. But if you, suffer if, if Jacoby suffers an injury and you find yourself heading into that gauntlet with Josh Dobbs as your starting quarterback season's over yeah and, and New England like New England is the team in that gauntlet that I'm like okay maybe but who mm-hmm. I mean obviously we know how well coached they are we know that you know I don't know what's going on with their offense they're, they haven't gotten great reviews obviously but I, I guess the thing if if Jacoby's your quarterback it's just every one of those games is more of a coin flip. If Deshaun's your quarterback, you're probably going to beat New England. You're going to be able to hang with, you know, you're going to be able to hang with LA, you know, Baltimore and Cincinnati though, those games become coin flips all of a sudden. And if your quarterback's not Deshaun Watson, Ashley, then that coin flip is a lot harder to win. Yeah. And even like, I'm going to stick with the Patriots as an example they're a team who knows Jacoby Brissett really (laughs) well and they're a team that's really good at putting together game plans I always think about that quote from JJ3 last year after that loss when he was like it's like they watched everything we struggled with (laughs) and just ran that every play because you know that's probably what they did Bill Belichick is doing that stuff so that that's for one example I was going through the schedule as you were talking Dan and kind of took it like by chunks so like I think maybe best case scenario, there's a possibility they're around six and five. And that would be like the best case scenario for me. If they go three and one, the first four, then say they split those games, like maybe say they lose to the Ravens, beat the Bengals, they split those next four. um, And then one and two, because like, I'm just going to assume Brady's back and give them losses to Buffalo and the Buccaneers. But it's like six and five. That's not horrible. But like, can they actually do that? I don't know. Because like Mary Kay was saying, the Steelers, could be underestimating them. Like they could be a loss. Carolina could be a loss. If Baker goes off, uh, they could lose those division games to Baltimore and Cincy too. Um, They could lose to new England because they're always a team that can game plan. Like there are more losses here than what I gave them, but just like playing the guessing game, I was like six, I can see a world where they get to six and five. And if they can do that, I'll feel like Jacoby Brissett did his job for them in that case. There's, there's no weirder week in the NFL than week one. Like just yeah. crazy things happen. And that's why I wouldn't even say that like Carolina is, is a layup. I, I thought they'll be favored in those. They might be favored on all four of those first games. And but... the Browns haven't won an opener in how long? One of you two probably knows this number. I don't have it in front of me, but it's been forever. 
Yeah. Well, I still think they're going to win that game. I mean, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney versus Baker Mayfield. Good, <laughs> good, good night. Good night, Irene. I mean, come on. But I mean, I so they're so much better than the Panthers. True. But I mean, they you are. know what? I mean, Jacoby's got to Jacoby's got to hold down the fort. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over, which will be good. But um, but I, you know, I, I just don't see them losing to losing to Carolina. I do think the Pittsburgh game can be challenging, and then again, once again, then you get into that incredibly tough stretch, and it you know anything can happen throughout there. But I mean, you don't want to be com- so completely behind the eight ball by the time Deshaun gets back that he can't save it. And so that, that leads us into our last question here. Um, and we are all, every single person that covers this team and all of us are going to be guilty of this throughout the season where we just kind of assume like when Deshaun Watson comes back and against Houston, everything's going to be great and everything's going to be perfect and run smoothly and everything's going to be fine. Um, it's going to be a tough environment that he's going to walk into in Houston, obviously. Um, Cincinnati, I mean, you know, it's not like walking into Baltimore, but, it, you know, he's going to hear chants. He's going to hear booze. It's it's, it's going to be rough. Uh, Mary Kay, I mean, what is a realistic expectation for Deshaun Watson over those final six games, considering he's not going to be practicing? He's he hasn't played a real game since the end of since the end of the 2020 season. Um, what's a realistic expectation for him out of the gate? Well, I think that's going to be a very difficult and an emotional return to Houston. Like you said, there, there's going to he's going to be flooded with a lot of memories. It's where the whole sexual misconduct saga began and took place. Uh, it is where he spent the formative years of his career. It's where he made three Pro Bowls. It's where he made the playoffs. It's where he made all of his friends. It's where he lived. I mean... Uh, you know, he's going to have a lot, a lot of emotions coming back in that game in Houston. It's like uncanny that his return is in Houston. I mean, it's, it's almost like you you couldn't, if you were writing the script, you know, it's like you wanted a compelling game for him to return and it would be in Houston because of the drama involved. My goodness. Um, and I do think that he might have been a little bit rattled by the booing in Jacksonville, because I think it was probably, you know, the first time that he kind of felt that, you know, that shade from fans like that. He's been a beloved player uh, to this point. So it will also be the first time in 700 days that he starts a real football game. 700 days. He sat out all last season, sat out all last season and, you know, still made his $10.5 million. But, um, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't played meaningful football in a long time. So he's going to be stepping into new play caller, new players, new system, uh, not having played except for, you know, a, a bad three series in Jacksonville. And he's supposed to hit the ground running and take the team to the playoffs. I, I think it's a tall order. I, I do too. And I I said he wouldn't be practicing. He will, he will get to come back to practice uh, before mm-hmm. the suspension is over, but right he's not going to be getting reps. I mean, uh, Jacoby Brissett's going to be getting the reps still. He'll, he'll get a few, but the starter gets the reps during the season. Right. Um, so it's, it's going to be tough, Ashley. And like I said, I think all of us at some point are probably going to be guilty of just assuming everything's going to be great when he comes back. And maybe it will all be great, but it does feel like there's a chance that it could be a little bit of a grind early. Yeah. And 
I keep thinking back to the Jacksonville preseason game, which I've been the first person to say, like, you can't glean too much from those. And it's just the preseason. And it's kind of understandable why what happened happened. But well, like, if we see that when he comes back against Houston, like, I also wouldn't really be that surprised because he hasn't played in so long. At that point, he won't even have really been practicing with them. He could come back, I think, on November 28th or whatever before that game, like the week before that Houston game per the terms of the suspension. But that's a lot of ground to have to make up. And he's really going to have to be staying in shape on his own and everything like that, obviously. But I just think it might take some time to get his rhythm back with these guys who, yes, he's put a lot of work into doing that this off season, but he still won't have thrown with them and done all those things the same way that he's currently doing. So I, I definitely just think there's going to be some growing pains here and it's not going to be perfect. And, you know, there's definitely a very real possibility that they miss the playoffs and maybe that's because they're basically out of it and it's a crazy year and you have to have a crazy record to get in. It's just one of those years uh, by the time he comes back, or maybe it's because he comes back and, you know, they go like 500 the rest of the way or something, or they go like two and three when he's back. So I just think there's a lot of unknown and a lot of possibility there. And like you said, Dan, some of those possibilities are good. Maybe he'll come in and, and save the season, but maybe he'll come in and it'll just be okay because he's still trying to find his way here. I, I would think about playing him in these preseason games, but that, that's not going to happen. I, I would think about giving him maybe a quarter or something. I, I don't know how much you benefit from, you know, Josh Rosen getting like two extra series in a game as opposed to Deshaun Watson, but it, maybe it doesn't make a difference because it's going to be months before he's back on the field. Uh, but anyway, we won't see Deshaun Watson on the field uh, for the Browns until week 13 in Houston, a game that was originally going to be a little bit nondescript uh, certainly takes on a whole new life uh, when he returns. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the orange or Brown talk podcast. Like I always tell you, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast rate and review us Apple podcasts and Spotify, and also become a football insider subscriber. Uh, we've been texting like crazy all day and throughout training camp. We'll continue to do that. I mentioned that newsletter earlier. And of course there's those stories on cleveland.com that you want to have access to. So just go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get info and get signed up for Mary Kay and Ashley. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.